This is the Plan Simple Podcast. The one for you, my dear, the woman who wears so many hats. We both know how many people in your life benefit when you're at your best. What would happen if you were to ditch overwhelm and wear all those hats with ease? I'm going to share how simple this can be. We will dive into how to make health, family, home, spirituality, productivity, and entrepreneurship more easeful. Incredible friends and guests will come by for inspirational conversations, valuable shares, and real strategies so you can plan for your best life. My name is Mia Moran. I'm a mother of three, a wife, an entrepreneur, a coach, and your host. I wear a lot of hats, and I am committed to leading a balanced life and sharing all that I have learned and am learning with you. You're ready? Let's flow. Hey, welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. I'm so excited to be here with you today, and we are going to bring on Kamini Wood. And I think you're going to really love the topic that we're diving in today. Or you might not love it, but you might need just like a loving dose of it. And we're going to be talking about some of the reasons that we hold ourselves back without even realizing it. We're going to be talking about limited beliefs and shame and perfectionism. And we're also going to really talk about how to move to the other side. So I have noticed a lot. I spend a lot. So every Monday, let me go back a little. Every Monday in Flow 365, which is our accountability program, the call that's on Monday are our small calls. We have lots of them. And women come on and they say, these are the three things that given my goal for the 90-day season and given how I want to feel this week and how I do feel this week, these are the three things that are really important that I tend to accomplish, be with, different verbs depending on what, what the topic is, like where the focus is. And we're always looking at how to create balance, right? So for some women, it's like, I just need to be all in with growing my business because the thing that has been out of balance in my life is money. For other people, it's like, I need to be all in on my health because I keep working and it's that's the piece that's not working. And for other people, it's like, I just need to show myself that I can show up in a weak balance, right? So I'm going to focus on this health thing and this growing my business thing and this family thing, right? So it can look different for everybody. But these three things that we choose each week based on our internal guidance system really help us to figure out how to show up. Now, the reason I'm telling you this is because these are also the calls where I do most of our coaching. And this is like the we have planning calls and we have get something done calls, but these are really the coaching calls. And what I find is that very often, especially at the beginning of a journey in flow, and even, I mean, we have members who've been in for a long time, <laughs> for years. And because every time they get to the next rung, they realize there's the next dream and the next dream and the next dream. And it, it's always helpful to have support getting, you know, moving towards our dream and the dreams in the most balanced way, right? So that's why people keep showing up. So I'm telling you all this because often women show up to these calls with very practical things as the three things, right? So 
I'm going to finish my taxes this week, or I'm going to email these seven people who have said they've raised their hand to work with me and I'm going to email them this week, or I'm going to finish writing my book, or I'm going to create social media for the month, right? Like, you know, the different kinds of tasks. And so these are the kinds of things that show up. But one of the reasons that I'm here (laughs) is to really hold space for like, okay, well, if that's the desired outcome, if that's what you really want to be proud of by Friday, what actually needs to happen? And very often what comes up is like, oh, I need to tend to that really deep-seated limiting belief I have about taking that action that causes me to go on Instagram every time I go to write the email to procrastinate because I feel really bad inside. Or, oh, I need to take some time to really get recentered and clear about the values that really make me wake up in the morning. Like, what do I really stand for? Even though the thing you want to be selling at celebrating at the end of the week is that you showed up to this meeting and did X, Y, and Z. But it's like in order for that to happen, our values have to be really aligned. Or maybe in order for one of the things to happen, a really clear boundary has to be practiced and set. So all the things that we're talking about today are some of the quiet, silent, less obvious things that actually a lot of us need to weave into our days in order to really be showing up for ourselves. So that is why we are covering this topic right now. I feel like this time of year is a time of year when some of us have set some big goals just a couple months ago, and it's kind of like we're not feeling like we've done enough, gotten far enough, have done anything, whatever's coming up around that. And usually this can happen a lot around work and a lot around our health. I mean, it can happen around any topic. So it generally comes up at this time of year. And sometimes what I find really is at the the core of that is just aligning ourselves with all the things we're going to talk about today, the less obvious things that need tending to, the internal systems that need upgrading before any of the doing can happen. And I can tell you this, It makes the doing so much easier, so much more pleasurable, so much more joy-filled. And usually the tending to these things also feels better when when it is the thing we make space for in our calendars, if that makes sense. So for me, it feels like a win-win. All right. I'm going to tell you a little bit more officially about Kamini in a second. Uh, But I also want to tell you that we have a workshop coming up on follow through. We will definitely follow some of the threads that we talk about in this episode. But I just want to get all of us practicing. Like, what does it actually look like to follow through on what we most want? Not what the world thinks we should want. Not what our inbox says we should be doing. Not even what like the committee we're on, the school our kids go to, like whatever. There's so much input coming at us, but it's like, how do we discern what's most important to us and actually work on those things, actually fill our days with those things? 
and really see what it's like to fulfill our promises to ourselves. That's what we're going to be talking about in this workshop. So go to plansimple.com slash workshop. Come join me. I cannot wait to see you there. All right, plansimple.com slash workshop. All right, Kamini Wood is a certified life coach who helps overachievers heal their relationship with themselves. She's helped people take courageous steps in identifying limiting beliefs, reasons why they're staying stagnant and overcoming self-doubt in order to really live a fulfilling professional and personal lives. She's a best-selling author. She holds lots of certifications in various modalities. And I think you're just going to love her vibe. So with no further ado, let's get Kamini on the show. Hey, Kamini, welcome to the Plan Simple podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. Oh my gosh. Okay. So will you just tell everybody a little bit about how you landed in what you do today? Because I feel like a lot of us who are teaching these kinds of personal development things, like we've had this journey of ourselves. And I really think that helps our listeners really understand the lessons hopefully we'll be about to teach them. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's, it's so important, I think, to talk about because I certainly didn't end up here because this is what I set out to do. So it starts all the way back to when I was you know, a young girl growing up in a small town in Connecticut. I'm the daughter of two immigrant parents. I have one older sister, but growing up in a predominantly white town, some of the things that I dealt with were, you know, not feeling like I belonged and that I stuck out. And so from a very early age, I had become accustomed to finding ways to fit in, meaning I started people pleasing. I was definitely a perfectionist from a very early age. And most of that came from the fact that I did not want to burden my parents because I knew how hard they were working. It wasn't something that they overtly said to me or anything that they expected of me. It was more my own personality taking hold. And I offer that because only later in life did this now, did I understand it on a deeper level. So my little girl self just doing what she can to quote unquote survive and to thrive as best she could. But so you go through life and I was, you know, doing all the things I was supposed to do. You know, I ended up in the dot-com world as a project manager, rose to running a project management office, eventually started running a law firm. But in every vein that I was in professionally, I always found myself working with people kind of on a one-to-one basis, trying to figure out what they needed in order to grow or to get to where they wanted to be. Mm. And a lot of times those relationships, they were professional relationships, but I got to know people on a personal level too. So we would talk about things in terms of their personal growth as well. So from a professional standpoint, everything that I was doing still kind of led me to being in this one-on-one, let me help you figure out what you need. In the meantime, though, I had to do my own self-work because as I'm going through that, you know, I'm definitely, I am an overgiver. I, people pleaser is still part of me. I just have to learn how to pull it back a little bit, but I'm also a mom to five. And so in the process of working and mothering my kids, I started to see my children emulate and to show up as people pleasers and perfectionists. And again, there's nothing wrong with the perfectionism as long as it's kept in 
some type of, it's not used to harm you, right? Like you don't go so far into the perfectionism that it starts to hold you back. But I started seeing a lot of those people pleasing tendencies and recognize that that was coming from watching me and how I was constantly showing up. And so I went through my own self-work and self-transformation to recognize where those stories were. And that's why I shared that story with my childhood, because I realized that that's where those people pleasing tendencies started, the perfectionism tendencies started, you know, some codependent habits. And so as I went through that process of redefining, you know, it's okay to have your own needs. It's okay to have your own desires. That's actually the catalyst for me that said, well, actually what I really want to do is get out of this professional world that I'm in. And I want to create a business around helping people. Cause that's what I keep getting drawn to from a professional perspective. And now I have some of this personal experience as well. Can I bring these two things together and create a business for that? And that's how I ended up doing what I do. Amazing. And how old are your kids? They are now 22, 20, 17, almost 18 in a month, almost 15 in two weeks, and then 10. <laughs> Amazing. I overlap in some of those. So I have almost 15 actually next week and just turned 18 and 20. So similar. Oh yeah. Very similar. Very five. similar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's go, like, I feel like there's so many different directions, but let's go towards the people pleasing one for a second. And it's interesting because you know, what we do around here is really around, you know, how to set meaningful goals, hopefully from a more feminine way than we used to. And also really how to follow through like a woman, you know, really in tune with ourselves. And I do find that a lot of the things that you're talking about are some of the things that hold us back the most. And so like often it's like, not that we can't do the thing that we said we wanted to do. It's that we're spending five extra hours people pleasing or, mm -hmm. you know, extra yep. time being a perfectionist. And we don't realize like what a toll that takes on the thing that we're doing. And then of course, if we're a perfectionist, we end up in this loop of then judging ourselves. So if someone is feeling like, I would love to go into like both areas, actually, so you can tell me along the way if they're related, but I feel like perfectionism and people pleasing are the two things that come up a lot around here. So mm -hmm. if somebody is a people pleaser and really feel like that's, you know, what they're doing, like even no matter how many things they think of that they want to do for themselves, it's like always others get put first. What are some of the things we can do to sort of meet ourselves? <laughs> yeah, it's such a great question because I think when we are in that pattern of people pleasing and putting somebody else's needs before our own, it can be somewhat challenging to break out of it. And that what I generally say to people is, is it's so important to slow down and to start coming back coming back to self, meaning become aware of your own needs. Like that's step number one. What is it that I even need? Because most often when we've taken on that people pleaser role, there's a deeper narrative involved. Many times it's because we are, like I said, mine was a little bit of the, I want to belong and I want to be accepted. There's also yeah. for a lot of people, the idea that I have to prove my worth or that I have to prove that I'm enough, right? So there's all these deep seated narratives underneath. When we're living into those narratives, we then, like you said, put somebody else's needs in front of our own and we totally lose track of what those needs are for ourselves. So the very first thing is just refamiliarize yourself with what is it that I actually need? You yeah. know, take the time to say, you know, not and get that list down of like, these are my self needs that I have. And then I always say, come back home to your values too. Like make sure that you're very aware of what are the most meaningful things to you. So you've got your needs and your values and you bring those back to the forefront because when you realign and 
re-engage with those and you're more aware of them, now you can take committed action to start stepping outside of that people-pleasing role. Meaning when you're about to do something for somebody else, slow down and ask yourself, does this align with what I'm needing and what I'm also, what would be meaningful for me as well? Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because I feel like as well in the, you know, the people-pleasing character (laughs) and that we all (laughs) step into at certain times, it's also... Like there's some quality of people pleasing that's not probably called people pleasing that has us not really understanding what we need to take care of, like what we actually need, because it's like we're taking in things that we think we should need almost and then not letting ourselves have those things. So can we talk a little bit about like what are some of the surprising things maybe even you've seen that like actually are what somebody needs when they're thinking they need all these complicated things? You know, I just feel like we overcomplicate what we need sometimes because we're human yeah, and we're we also human. like to overcomplicate <laughs> things. Yeah. I mean, it's almost that we forget we need like basic, we have basic needs, like the need to have an opinion, the need to be able to speak our own and to speak that opinion, the need to have that respect of having a differing opinion, the need to be able to make decisions for ourselves without having to validate it with somebody else. I mean, those are just very simple ones and they aren't overcomplicated, but we make them more complicated. Like, well, I should maybe perhaps dim down this opinion because I don't want to create conflict with, and that's just a people-pleasing mechanism, right? right? It's just, I want to keep the peace. I've heard that so often. I know I myself lived with I'm that one for a long a time. <laughs> oh my gosh, all the time. I mean, to this day, I have to catch it. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, there it is again. Okay, what's really happening here? Yeah. Really, that's just me wanting to avoid conflict or me wanting to actually say, I have a different opinion here. But that would be some simple examples where those are actually pretty simple and we shy away from those almost like we shouldn't have that. Like somehow it's selfish for us to want to potentially voice a different opinion. And it's not selfish at all. It's being truly authentic to what you believe and again, what it is that you're needing or maybe even your desires. Oh, I love that. So what is the, do you have like a first step, like when you're starting to catch yourself, like what is the first step to take to get out of that pattern? Yeah, for me, I do a lot of self-talk, first of all. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) I talk to myself a lot, but it's two things that I do. One, I've really learned how to pay attention to what my body is saying to me because my body will actually have a reaction when I'm going into a people-pleaser mode. Like there's a tightening. And so I've learned to pay attention to what's happening within me. Like, is there some tightening? Is there some anxiousness? Where am I feeling it? So that's usually step number one to indicate, hey, comedy, take a breath. Like you're about to agree to something that maybe you don't want to do. And then I really do step into that talk where it's you know, I get curious, what's really going on for me here? I'll ask that question a lot. Like, is this something you actually want to do? Is this really what you agree with? You know, and just sort of ask those questions that prompt me to be honest with myself so that I don't necessarily just go on to autopilot people-pleasing self. I love it. All right. So is perfectionism related to people-pleasing or is it a different thing? Do people tend to be in one or the other lane? I do think that it can be different. I often see them coinciding with each other, to be honest. Like most of my clients who say that they're a people pleaser also tend to have perfectionist tendencies because with people pleasing, you're working so hard to make sure other people are okay, happy. They're good. You're taking care of their needs. And there's a sense of perfectionism with that too. Like we don't want to mess up, right? So there's, I think they play off of each other really well. I'm not saying every single person is both. And also I never try to pathologize or say like, you're this thing. It's just, it's a part of self, right? Yeah. But I do think that they do a lot of times they go hand in hand. Got it. And when you're, this is an interesting thing about perfectionism is, do you think more women are perfectionists? Like, do you think it's like a thing that we sort of inherited? 
That is such a great question. I definitely used to think, absolutely. It's just because of my practice and the fact that I work with a lot yeah. of men as well. I'm seeing so many more men that are, oh, have really? those tendencies as well. <laughs> I do wonder though, if it tends to be more female oriented, or maybe it could just be that what men aren't as willing to maybe admit that they're perfectionists. I'm not really sure. But I do know that with the work that I've been doing with the men in my practice, there have been a handful of perfectionists that pop up. <laughs> or maybe then it points more to something that's happening around us all like do you think that there's like ways that we're educating our kids or like operating in the workplace that are I don't know yeah I think it could be what's happening currently but also I think the narratives that we're brought up with like there is yeah. such a high culture of you know achievement focus yeah and I think that that takes it starts to take hold at that earlier age and so it's both men and women that end up you know, being the recipient of that achievement. I mean, I end up working, I work with teens all the way through adults. So even the teens that I'm working with, that achievement culture is so predominant, yeah. not just today, but has been for several years. Yeah. <laughs> and so, right. I mean, cause even when I was growing up, achievement culture was definitely part of, you know, the dialogue and everything, you know, what school are you going to get into? And, you know, that all of the achievements that you needed to kind of define yourself by. But I do think that that's part of where it starts is, there is perfectionism tendencies that start with that because you can't fail. It's not okay to fail. You've got to continue to strive and strive and strive. And I do think currently, even in workplace environments, it's all about getting to the next level and the what's next. I call it nexting, right? What's next? And so again, that leans into, I've got to keep going and I can't mess up. I've got to get this perfect. And so I don't think that that's just gender lined anymore yeah. where it's just and females. Is that one of the ways out of perfectionism is to counter the what's next? You know, I do think that part of it is for me and how I've worked with people on it and I've worked with it myself, it's instead of only focusing on the thing that you're doing, it's also how are you showing up? You know, who are mm -hmm. you being? What strengths, what qualities, what values are you leaning into? Because then we're taking the focus off of the thing that we're trying to do perfectly or the thing that's next and we're coming back home to self. Yeah. We're actually paying attention to who we are and growing in terms of that inner being rather than what's happening externally. Yeah. And the thing I'm hearing you say in both, because you've mentioned it twice, <laughs> is that knowing your values is so important. And that's to me is such a great example of like, we get in these spirals that take us a lot of time. And the thing that we might need to pause for is to really understand our values, right? And because we yeah. can get out of touch with what even that means to us. Well, and I've just found, I mean, often we don't ever take the time to pay attention to what is meaningful to us, you know, because we're brought up and we're brought up with a certain culture, family dynamic, there's society that's all influencing. And then we're kind of like sprung into adulthood. And oftentimes we don't sit down to say, okay, well, self, what's meaningful to me? And we yeah. end up taking along with us maybe values that we were brought up with, but we haven't actually done the work to say, is this something that aligns with me now? And also giving a little bit of space to the fact that some of those values might change a little bit over time. Like most of the big core ones are not going to change, but a few of them might change along the way and making sure that we're doing that check-in is huge. Yeah. And I find that it's interesting because we're always looking at, you know, how people are showing up to their time. And so I ask the values question quite often. And it's interesting because even if you know your values, you still might act from the old set. You know, yes. it's still very easy to show up in action from the way you were brought up versus even what you think now. So it's almost like the more current you are, the more in touch you are with your values, the more chance you have at acting from a place of that's in alignment with those. 
Absolutely. And then asking even yourself when you're about to take action, it's okay. Is this a values-based action? You know, yeah. just doing that quick check-in. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's this word that you talk about and I talk about, and I think a lot of people talk about these days, but has such a bad connotation to everyone, maybe to some of the people listening and is so tied into the second we start speaking up for ourselves and all the things, which is boundaries. I just feel like that word has such a bad rap because it just like we've made it feel bad or something, even though sometimes it's the best thing we all do for ourselves. Yep. So can we talk a little bit about boundaries and sort of what your take is on them? And Yes, I feel that boundaries are the thing that, yeah, you're right. I think today, maybe it doesn't have the best connotation, but it is so important for us to talk about there. Boundaries are not meant to create walls between people. It's very important that people recognize that they're really just the best metaphor I have for them are fences. It's, you know, this works for me. This does not work for me. It's actually in an effort to build better communication and to build healthier relationships. Because when we don't have those boundaries, there are almost unspoken expectations that can happen. Assumptions are made versus if we are clear about what works for us and what doesn't, and then we allow another person to know that then they know what they can and can't do. And that allows for that healthier relationship to happen. But so many of us are afraid of boundaries because we're afraid of the other person's reaction. We're afraid of conflict. We're afraid of all those things. But really what we're doing by not having boundaries is we're kind of setting the stage for conflict eventually. Because at some point, we that resentment builds when we're not being honored the way that we want to be honored. The other thing I'll say about boundaries is it's not just for us and somebody else, but having our own self boundaries is really important too. knowing, you know, what we're willing to commit to having those agreements with self so that we ourselves can say, this is going to work for me. This isn't the best example I have is actually from a, just a call today I had with somebody who's coming out of a relationship where it was not she was not treated very well. It was pretty toxic. And she's had to make instead a boundary with herself that like, I know I'm not going to unblock him on my phone. And that's just a boundary that she set with herself to say, this is for my own well-being and my emotional health in order to start my healing process. I need to not re-engage with him. So boundaries aren't just always with the other person. They're with ourselves as well. Yeah. Okay. So along that line, <laughs> so like, I mean, we listened to that and we're like, of course, you're not going to unblock mm-hmm. the person. And yet, I think we all have examples where we say something and then yep. we don't quite do it. And it, I mean, quite often, it's the things that are like everything we just talked about before, right? Like the things that the hard thing, like the quote unquote, I'm like now using air quotes, things that like get us out of those patterns of perfectionism or get us out of like, you know, patterns that aren't serving us and keep us from really having our own self compassion or boundaries that many of us are needing to put into place. And so for whatever reason, sometimes it's easier to do the unboundaried thing (laughs) versus Mm -hmm. the boundaried thing. It's like really easy to go back. So do you have any ideas or tips for anyone to really stick to a boundary? Sounds like a weird way to say it, but to really uphold a boundary for themselves. Well, a couple of things. One is to make that agreement with self and to really, again, it's why am I setting this boundary? What is the value I have in this boundary? Why is this meaningful to me? Right. So if we can really name that for ourselves, we're presencing the purpose behind it. And then the we're other like thing that, that out to ourselves. Yes. <laughs> no, yeah, okay. Oh yeah, totally. I'm a firm believer in speaking out loud to yourself. I know that people think that it's like, oh my gosh, you're so weird. Why do you talk to yourself? The truth is though, that if we say it out loud, we're witnessing it. We're actually hearing it. And by putting it out there, and we're saying it out loud and we're witnessing it, we're actually our, we can become our own 
best advocate because we're like, no, we said we're going to do this, this, and this, right? That's number one. The other part of it is having some self-compassion. When you're first starting to set boundaries, you may not be able to hold that boundary because it is uncomfortable. It is new. It's not the neural pathway that's been built. And so utilizing self-compassion versus judgment, because what happens a lot of times is we'll go right into judgment. See, I'm not capable. I'm not strong enough. Never mind. I'm not going to bother. What we're saying is when we set the boundary, we try our level best by, you know, talking it out loud, reminding ourselves why it's important. And if we don't hold that boundary, lean into kindness over judgment, recognize, wow, that didn't go the way that I expected it to, or, you know, I didn't hold that boundary. That was really difficult. I found it really hard. This is what I found hard. This is what I learned. This is what I can now maybe apply the next time that I set this boundary. Because if we just go right into judgment, we'll automatically give up any hopes potentially to, to create that boundary and hold that boundary. The other thing I want to say on boundaries is they're not easy to set. You know, a lot of people will talk about boundaries as though like, you just have to do this, this, and this. And I just want to be really honest about it, which is it's super uncomfortable when you're setting boundaries that you haven't had before, because there are going to be people who have a negative response to your boundaries. They're generally the people that were benefiting from your lack of boundaries in the first place. And so they might be people that kind of fall off of your relationship group, you know, that, that you realize, okay, that relationship actually doesn't help me grow and evolve. Yep. And that's not fun. I mean, there's grief involved in that. There's sadness involved in relationships that we have to say goodbye to. By the same token, we have to kind of go through the icky to get to the other side, right? So if we don't have the boundaries, we aren't really being truly who we like to be for the most part, or we're not living into our best potential, our best human potential that we have. If we go through that icky part and we get to the other side, we're going to actually have healthier relationships because the people that adjust to those boundaries that we're setting are the ones that we can create those healthier dynamics with. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. And everything you're saying, I'm like, you know, a lot of it is things that I believe. And well, the one thing I'll say about boundaries is I, I do believe that that is like the number one time and like that we should never feel bad that we can't do that ourselves because it's really helpful to work with another human on that. So I will yeah. say that out loud. <laughs> like it's very helpful yeah. to have a partnership when you're working with boundaries. But the thing that you keep saying about talking out loud, like I can't get out, like to me, that's like, that's my nugget from this chat with you. And it's just, I hear from so many people, like the perfectionism come in around like things like journaling. And I'm mm -hmm. like talking out loud solves so much of that because you don't have yes, to like you take don't. out a pen and a paper. You exactly. Just talk to you just talk. You just talk. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And, I, and yeah. as you were like saying those things out loud, I was like, also, if I was talking out loud to myself, I don't think I would say those mean things as much as I even would might to my journal, which is kind yes, of- Yes, because we're hearing it. Yeah. We now become our own witness. It's when I talk to people about how do we go through the unshaming process, most often I will push them to say, say the things that you're thinking to yourself and you're shaming yourself, say them out loud. Because the moment we hear it, it's like, oh my goodness, that is not- okay. Like that's just mean, or that's, where is that coming? Like, we can hear it and we can witness it in such a different way. Okay. I had another question for you, but now you have to tell us, you have to elaborate. What does it mean to be in an unshaming process? What does that look like? Oh, so many of us shame ourselves and we don't even realize we're shaming ourselves, but yeah. the unshaming process is bringing out into the forefront, all of that stuff that we're telling ourselves or, you know, cause shame is really saying that there's something wrong with me. And so by naming it out loud, by giving it voice, by giving it kind of bringing it into the light, we're taking all of the wind out of its sails. You know, all of the power that it has starts to dissipate when we start talking about it out loud and we realize, okay, 
either that's just gross. It's not right. I mean, that's not those things that I'm saying to myself aren't true and none of them make me a bad person, right? I am not a bad person. Amazing. All right. So when did you start doing this work for yourself? How old were your kids? Gosh, I think my oldest was probably right around a freshman or sophomore year of high school. So it was all, yeah, teens all the way down to like, my youngest was, I think, four at the time. Amazing. So that's the piece that I would love to tap into a little bit that we didn't even talk about before. But how have you seen that? Like, because I think some people think when we say this, that like, their kids are older. And so like, it's too late, you know, to affect Mm -hmm. them. And I know that you and I see all the time that that is totally not true. I think probably your kids could even leave the house and you would still affect future generations when we do this work. Can you explain like how it shows up and affects them as you lean in to do this work for yourself? Like how it shifts things that are happening at home? Well, I can speak to the fact that I know that my kids have, as I've done my own work, and then also I do this work on a daily basis now, they have definitely kind of they've taken it in and I see it in different ways. So my oldest happens to be a professional ballerina. So super competitive world. And I know that she has taken in a lot of what I talk about and also just how I've shown up and talked to her differently about just that world. And I mean, perfectionism is like sky high in that industry. And so I've seen her maneuver that complicated world in a different way. And I've even seen it transition over the years of how she handles it. My oldest son plays division one athletics. So again, I've been seeing it because like you go from, you're kind of like one of the top people in your hometown and, you know, travel world. And then suddenly you're thrown into a division one sports situation. Everybody's the top person and top performer. And so again, being able to work through what the inner critic says and just how, you know, what standards are you holding for yourself? And, you know, for him, it was a lot of moving from, outcome focus to process focus, right? Just being here for the present moment. I'm here for the process of this. I'm releasing a lot of what it needs to look like on the other side of it. I've definitely seen my other children, especially my middle daughter, I mean, maneuvering the peer pressures of the teenage years and knowing that you're going to make decisions that don't always sit right with your peers and really being okay with that and sitting with it. And, you know, FOMO is a big thing. And so there are moments where she's had to deal with that, where it's like, oh, I'm having FOMO and sometimes leaning into it and then realizing, okay, that didn't align with me. So there's definitely been different ways that I've seen my kids work through things that I think would not have happened had I not gone down my own transformation path. If I had stayed in that realm, I don't think that all of this may have turned out the way that it did. I'm not saying it definitely is. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's perfect, by the way. Let me be very clear. Yeah. We have our issues and our moments, but I do think that it definitely fed yeah, no, it's, the it's ability to work through things differently. I had to ask that. Like, I try to ask that to everyone who's like really in it because it's fascinating to me. And it's not like, I'm sure you're like me. Like, it's not like we're preaching to them all day long about what it is that we do. It's just... right. Somehow it just gets passed down in little words, maybe, but mostly just in energy and action. Totally. And it really can change. Like, because I think there's definitely a lot of emphasis on the fact that like perfectionism and a lot of these things really do come from past generations. And as we're in this new space as like women and mothers and able to do different things, I just think we have this great opportunity to change the future for our kids. Oh, absolutely. Kind of work. Yeah, absolutely. And dialoguing and having conversation about it has been, you know, 
huge. And I really echo what you said about the energy. Sometimes it's not that we're preaching to them, but it's the energy we show up to with conversations or just tweaking a little bit of how we approach a conversation with them. They're internalizing that in a totally different way. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. I'm like to the end of my questions, but this was so rich. I'm going to be talking to myself for the next like foreseeable future. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Tell everybody how they can find you. We'll also put it in the show notes, but whatever you want to say here, how can people find you? What's the best way to interact with you? Yes. So I am on the web. My website is commonywood.com. And then I'm on Facebook and Instagram with the handle It's Authentic Me. Ooh, I like that. That's nice. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right. So much gratitude for having you here. Is there anything I've missed that like you feel like you want to share based on what we've talked about? I think that we covered a lot here. I think if people walk away and they realize that it's not weird to talk to yourself, I think it's a win. <laughs> All right. That's amazing. We definitely covered, did that. I hope. I'll try to model it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. At the end of every episode, we share three doable changes so you can take what you've heard and put it into action because action is where and how change happens. And even though we may want big change, let me tell you, I'm a pretty big dreamer. (laughs) So there's often a pretty big change that I am wanting. And I have found over and over and over again that it really is the little things that make the difference, that really add up to that big change. So I always encourage you to pick one thing, one doable change, one nugget that you got from this show and really weave it into your week. Make it your own and watch that then have a snowball effect as you do this practice week after week after week. So I always go through and we choose three doable changes from the conversations so that you have something to grab onto at the end of the show. And so here are three doable changes from my conversation with Kamini. So number one, identify your needs. The first step to breaking out of people pleasing is to recognize your own needs and values. So you could take some time this week to really think about what you actually need and believe in and how you value yourself. And Obviously, this can be an ongoing and probably should be an ongoing process, but you can just start by asking yourself questions like, what's going on here? Is this something I actually want to do? Is this really what I agree with? And pay attention to the values that you were brought up with and ask if they still fit now right? You're your own person now. And sometimes we carry along these value systems, these belief systems that may not even serve us any longer. And sometimes that's where we find the disconnect. So spend a week really identifying your needs and your values. All right. Number two, set and keep boundaries. Oh my gosh, I'm a big proponent of this one. (laughs) Anyone who's listening who's a Flow 365-er will be like, yeah, Mia says this like at least once, twice, usually three times on a Monday. It's really, really important. So you can set and keep boundaries with others 
and with yourself. I think often when we think of boundaries, we're always thinking of these hard conversations we have to have with other people. But it's equally as important that we have them with ourselves, right? So that we can respect ourselves. So it's helpful when setting any of the boundaries with others or with ourselves to ask, why am I setting this boundary? What is the value I have in this boundary? And why is this so meaningful to me? And knowing that and really getting clear and 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 moving from that inside feeling to the outside, to opening your mouth, can really help you hold firm when things get, I don't know, a little foggy, a little rough, a little heated, whatever it is for you, right? So even if you fail to hold a firm boundary, you can keep trying again. And that I want to say this over and over and over again, because it really is a practice. We don't just decide like, oh, today I'm going to start setting better, better boundaries. And then all of a sudden, like we're these amazing boundary setters. We've been sort of slowly, but surely like erasing these firm lines for most of us a long time now. And so it takes a minute to build them back up. All right. So it's a practice that probably should be in the essence of what you work on if you choose this one. It's like the practice of setting and keeping boundaries. That's the doable change, not the perfection. Okay. Number three, talk to yourself. This is the one I'm rolling with y'all this week. So Kamini recommends actually talking out loud to yourself. And I, did you hear the freedom in my voice when I heard her say this? I was so excited. So when you say out loud the things that you also say to yourself in your head, you can actually hear them in a different way and realize that it's actually not okay. The thoughts that you're thinking in your head are not okay. They're not kind. And at the same time, when you set a boundary out loud, you are witnessing it for yourself. So speaking out loud can be so, so helpful. And I'm really playing with this one right now. As you may have heard me say, I am really big on getting things out of our head and onto paper. I mean, that's pretty much why what we everything that's behind everything that we do around here. And that's like the idea behind planning is that we're actually getting all the jumbles out of our head and getting it on paper and making choices from this centered place and organizing the things that are in our head on paper. And there is something even so embodying about getting those things from paper and speaking them and understanding them and and witnessing them that is like next level. So if that resonates with you, I fully give you permission to talk to yourself this week. I know I will be practicing talking out loud to myself this week, especially when I hear like the rah, rah, rah going on in my head. I'm just going to start saying it out loud and just see what happens. Just see what happens. I'll definitely report back on this one. All right, y'all. Those are the three doable changes from this discussion. Remember, they're all great. Choose the one that you're really feeling pulled to this week and let them stack over the course of your months and years and lifetime and always be growing. All right. I'll see you next time. 
Thank you so much for joining me today. If you know a woman who wants a little more simple and a lot more flow, share this episode and send them over to the Plan Simple website to download our free course. And if you can find a five minute window today between meetings in the carpool line while you're eating your lunch, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. This one action plays such a big part in helping other women find us. And I have so much gratitude for you in advance. So thank you so much. Until next week, dream big, plan from your heart and have a great day. 